Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode. I've been uh, actually anticipating this for quite some time. I wanted to create one episode dedicated to narcissist abuse, and I wanted to get it from somebody who's very familiar with it and understands it. My next guest, Yitz Epstein, uh, is an extremely intuitive empath, and he's going to be talking about narcissism and how to survive narcissist abuse. Um, this is something that if you know of anybody that's going through narcissist abuse, please share it. If you're somebody that's going through it with a parent, a loved one, a boss, anybody that you're dealing with on a daily basis, it can wreak havoc on our lives, especially the empaths out there and derail us and keep us down. This is a very helpful episode that uh, not only just I did it for the uh, audience, but also for myself, all the victims of narcissist abuse, people that has been through childhood trauma. This is definitely one of those episodes that's going to make you think and hopefully get a lot of value out of it. So with that said, let's go ahead and get started. You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. Show. Welcome, guys, to another episode of the On Call Empath. I'm super excited for my next guest. I've been kind of stalking him on his podcast, and it's going to be about narcissism. Uh, my next guest is Yitz Epstein. He's intuitive uh, person that actually understands narcissism, has a deep desire of helping others, and always learning and growing about uh, narcissism. So I wanted him to come on my show to kind of talk about uh, everything from identifying narcissism, what it is, childhood wounds, and healing them from narcissist abuse. Yitz, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic, Raj. Thank you for having me on your, your show. It's an honor. Oh, same here. And, you know, you have a amazing podcast called Narcissist Recovery. Um, you clearly, you know, you understand the topic. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you to come on to the show. Um, I've even I think I've um, also heard you on like Shay Robottom's uh, podcast, which I'm a big fan of Shay. Um, so yeah, you definitely um, have a lot of background um, in this subject. Is this something that you, you know, particularly just studied or how did you get into this? Absolutely. Well, I've experienced a lot of these things uh, as an empath myself, very uh, sensitive, intuitive, to, uh, aware of energies around me, aware of uh, the way I, uh, the way people around me are affecting me and how I affect them. Uh, so being raised in a home that was highly narcissistic, highly toxic, uh, I was very in tune to the fact that there was uh, a lot of negativity, a lot of pain, uh, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. And therefore, I struggled myself because of which I, I absorbed those negative energies, those emotions. Uh, as any empath would tell you, we take them on as our own before I learned how to separate from them and sort of create some boundaries and, and, and not absorb everything. Uh, I was absorbing everything and therefore constantly trying to figure out what was going on, trying to find answers. Uh, and I found narcissism, found narcissistic abuse. It answered a lot of my questions. Uh, and I'm always, I'm on a quest to learn, uh, constantly trying to gain knowledge and awareness. So my podcast really is a way for me to express some of the ways I perceive narcissism and narcissistic abuse so that other people who are going through it uh, can resonate with mm -hmm. what I'm saying uh, and get and gain awareness and therefore healing as a result. I think that's awesome. I mean, it takes one to know one to actually talk about the subject. And, you know, from my experience, it's like you just can't really go to somebody and just say, hey, you know, this is what's going on. I live with a narcissist or this is um, a pattern that keeps coming up. 
um, going to somebody who's actually gone through it themselves and can identify it. Um, I think that's what kind of drew me to your podcast because you not only talk about it, but you've been through it. Um, so I'm going to just dive right in. I mean, let's talk about narcissists. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, mo- some of the population right now, high percentages, it seems to be a lot of narcissists out there in our society. And it, you know, obviously revolves around ego and uh, leads me to ask you is, you know, wh- what's the making of it? Is it genetic or environmental? How do they become a narcissist? Sure. That's a, that's a fantastic question. It's a loaded question. Uh, my <laughs> quick answer, uh, the quick answer would be uh, when ra- individuals who are raised in homes that lack empathy, lack attunement, uh, healthy attachments, uh, love, unconditional love, uh, it's going to create a lot of negative emotions absorbed by the child. When this happens, uh, the child uh, creates a core belief system, childhood programming, and an inner critic, otherwise known as self-talk that is tyrannical, that's dysfunctional, it's toxic, and very often extremely abusive. Uh, so when this happens, it really uh, doesn't allow the child to develop a core sense of self. And this ultimately leads to a whole host of issues, personality disorders, uh, emotional dysregulation disorders, and a, essentially a very dysfunctional adult. So we, you know, the term narcissist is a loaded term. Uh, I, I do feel strongly that it has a lot of negativity uh, attached to it. Right. Even though I do uh, refer to the term often, I use it as a reference point. The way I see it is the an individual who is disconnected from their authentic self. The farther a person is from their alignment of their mind, body, and spirit of their authentic self, that is the amount of dysfunction, uh, toxicity, and uh, really uh, dysf- essentially uh, a dysfunction that exists in this individual. So a healthy, in, a, in an ideal world uh, where parents are, are communicating with each other in a respectful way, create an environment uh, with good, healthy energy, high vibrational energy, uh, the child will absorb this energy and be able to absorb the nutrients to develop a healthy sense of self. Obviously, when this is not the case, a lack of attunement, like I mentioned, uh, dysfunctional environments, toxic environments, uh, abuse, negativity, uh, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, narcissistic abuse, uh, again, that core sense of self gets misaligned and therefore you have an adult who uh, continues to try to grow, uh, but has a difficult time to do so, and essentially becomes a dysfunctional adult trying to cope with the everyday uh, life struggles without really the capacity and the life skills to do so. Right. We see that quite a, quite a lot, especially with the empaths um, being people pleasers. We, we tend to attract them um, quite a bit, and we, we're not... Uh, we're not actually conscious of it. Like we just kind of gravitate towards that. Um, and so my next question is, I mean, as far as if you live with a narcissist or, you know, a narcissist, um, or anybody that's listening, um, is there any hope for them? Can they actually heal or is this something that is cradle to the grave type thing? Sure. Well, I I do believe that anybody can heal. And the reason I believe that is because I believe in the, uh, the power of human will and choice. Uh, in which case, anybody who's gone through everything, anything in their life technically has the ability to make a choice, to go inward, identify how they have been misaligned, how they have wounds, and heal. That being said, it's an extremely difficult uh, problem, or I should say issue, and struggle for the narcissistic uh, abuser because essentially, if they were to face themselves, what they are going to be up against is an astronomical amount of shame, of pain, and a very harsh reality and truth, which is extremely difficult to accept, which is that usually their own parents are, in fact, abusing them. 
So if they're able to if they're able to take a look in the mirror and see what it is that uh, that they're dealing with, which is a wounded sense of self, humiliation, usually in the worst way, uh, then yes, absolutely, a healing journey is simply about facing yourself, identifying your shortcomings, self-reflecting, self-correcting, and uh, of, of course, it, it's a it's a journey. There's several different uh, processes that need to go uh, be gone through. I I work with a specific system. Uh, that does just this. It's called mind map therapy. And the idea is, is that uh, we need to gain awareness on how our past is affecting our present. So it's, and ultimately take steps in the present to create a healthier future. So it's certainly possible, uh, but I have gone through this journey and I'm aware of how difficult it is. So if you're willing to go through that journey, then absolutely anybody can change. That's, that's good to know. I mean, and in your in your experience, I know you, you've probably talked to a lot of people that have gone through this uh, narcissist abuse. Um, as far as like the number one roadblock that you see to recovery after narcissist abuse, what would you say like you, you see a common theme among people? I know it, it, it depends on the individual, but uh, what is one thing that keeps popping up um, that you see? Absolutely. Well, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, it is shame, dealing with toxic shame, uh, specifically sexual shame. Uh, the way I see it is, is that shame is one of those uh, extremely, I would argue, the lowest vibrational state of being. And what it is essentially is, is that I am flawed to the core. Uh, when this is the case, uh, it creates a whole host of issues because uh, there's, no, there's a lack of hope or belief that healing is possible. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when you could deal with shame, which is, again, very difficult to do because of, uh, because of how painful it is to experience shame, not only once while going through it, but then to go back into one's psyche and then uh, pull it up and deal with it again. Uh, there's so many things that are done uh, to defend against it, to, to avoid it. So if a person is struggling to overcome abuse in any way, whether they are a narcissist, uh, whether they are a victim of narcissistic abuse, there's the one thing that needs to be dealt with is core shame, core toxic shame. And uh, again, very difficult to do, but once that is faced, it is possible. Uh, like I said, I've done it before. I work with many people who have done it. Right. Extreme, one of the most painful things you'll ever do, but very much the most, I believe, important thing to deal with on the healing journey. It's very interesting. And in fact, um, I know a lot of my listeners out there, they might be you know, married to a narcissist or has maybe a girlfriend or boyfriend or they just deal with somebody on a daily basis. And I know you had an episode on marriages and narcissism, which was very interesting. Um, but that kind of leads me to ask you, it's like, let's say that I'm living with a narcissist and I want to break free. However, even if the narcissist, like I break free and I let go and, but then there's the trauma bond and then their fear of abandonment as somebody that's been abused for so many years and that's all they know. Sometimes the narcissist knows that I'm going to end up coming back. And that's sometimes that's usually what happens. What is your take on that and, and putting a stop to, you know, coming back to the narcissist? Kind of like a, not like, like a Stockholm syndrome, but like mm. just feeling like guilty that you left them because you're so brainwashed. Because a, mm. a lot of people that are listening say, hey, you know, I tried to leave them, but I just felt so bad. And then they end up going right back to getting abused. Sure. Yeah, this is the this is the sort of the addiction to abuse, uh, the 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 addiction to negative emotions, which hooks a person into a relationship with a perpetrator. You know, it's interesting because as much as the narcissistic abuser is is addicted to the abuse, the victim is oftentimes addicted to being abused. Uh, mm -hmm. They almost it's almost like they need to be abused to feel love, 
their association with love is when has negative emotions, usually because of early uh, negative experiences and upbringing of abuse. Uh, so leaving is uh, the, the line that comes to mind is when leaving abuse, you sometimes have to, uh, uh, you know, break your heart to save your soul. Uh, and essentially, you cannot necessarily listen to your feelings as a guide. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the intuition, you know, that that gut feeling, right? People talk about mm-hmm. how important that is. That is a that is essentially. If I were to compare that to a, a GPS out of hell, I like to refer to it uh, as a GPS uh, out of out of purgatory because essentially uh, your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will often pull you back into the dynamics energetically. If you're you've been and uh, if you've been energetically aligned with negativity your whole life, uh, mm-hmm. that is your baseline. That is what you know. That's you in a sense you've gotten comfortable with that pain. So the way I see it is is that it's it's breaking up the addiction with your own negative vibrations, your own negative emotions. Uh, the reason we're attracted to narcissists is because they actually align with our own negative energies, mm-hmm. our own low vibrations. So the real healing takes place with how we uh, break the addictions uh, and ultimately shift out of the low vibrations, go no contact, quote unquote, with the low energies, shift into a mm-hmm. high vibration, uh, which is where essentially no narcissist can really go. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And so let's let's talk about the, you know, protecting, you know, yourself. Let's say that, you know, somebody just doesn't right now, they can't just leave their narcissist cold turkey and, and you know, there's kids involved and, or th- maybe they're financially tied to this person or even a job, a boss, whatnot. Um, what are some things someone can do to protect themselves? And I know like there's gray rock and going non-contact, but what are some things that you recommend that you've seen that, that seem to kind of work uh, with some of your clients? Yeah, excuse me. It really depends on each specific case. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. it, it, I can. I'm going to throw out some blanket statements, some some mores that I live <laughs> by. But ultimately, you know, we need to decide each person for themselves how they want to go about it. The way I see it is like this: mental health. That's the top of my dominance hierarchy, uh, <laughs> right. of, of my hierarchy of needs. Uh, mental health. If your mental health is being affected, the way I see it, the people in your life they're affecting that. They have to absolutely be defended. They, you need to protect yourself from that. Uh, mm-hmm. so that being said, when it comes down to it, many narcissistic abusers are simply, uh, not necessarily intentionally, uh, abusive. Many of them simply don't know a better way and they actually, uh, uh, don't, don't necessarily appreciate the way they act, in which case you can protect yourself and maintain a bond, uh, by all means, especially with family. Oftentimes people have a very difficult time walking away from family of origins, from close friends, of childhood, from, from past relationships where, uh, so if you can protect yourself, you can maintain a, a, a core, healthy boundary uh, where you're able to protect your sense of self and by all means uh, that's certainly something to to entertain but the way i see it is is that when it comes to narcissists their the boundary idea of boundaries is lacking in which case the only person holding up any form some sort of boundary is is yourself which case uh that's not much of a relationship that's just simply allowing the person in as much as they're willing as much as you're willing to allow them in in which case it gets exhausting and, and not, it's not necessarily uh a synergistic relationship so in that way um, it really, like I said, it depends on each person, their experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally have gone no contact with countless people. Uh, I don't suggest that. That's not my, my thing. Hey, just you know, right. cut them out, move on. They're, they're, they're evil. Let's, let's get on with our lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that, uh, I think that there are uh, ways to interact with them and, and especially if you need to, like you mentioned. So let me address that real quick. If you absolutely yeah. need to, this is a question I get almost constantly. Uh, and I have a very, very difficult time answering it because, uh, my heart really goes out to people who right. who are forced to be in a situation can't go no contact. It's very easy to say, oh, you know, cut them out. But if you can't, for example, if you have children, 
Right. Uh, so the, way, the way I see it is, is that there's always one thing that you have in your power. Uh, and that is the most powerful thing. And that's your reaction. Uh, and therefore how you, uh, give away your energy, your power to other people depends on how you react to them. So the first thing, uh, the most important thing is to take care of yourself, mind your reactions, uh, your energy, your perspective on things that's in your power. Do the healing work. Make sure that you own your own projections, your own reactions. Make sure that you're not being dragged into the chaos of a narcissistic abuser. And honestly speaking, you can be in the same room as them. If you have that ability to, uh, to, to maintain that, that core confidence in yourself, uh, then they won't necessarily affect you as much. Yes. And that's very challenging to do, especially, I mean, when I worked in, in the workforce, I think I was, I was working a job. Uh, it was one of those, um, medical schools. Um, and I had a boss that was a narcissist and I was justified going to work and keeping my job because the amount of money they paid. And I figured like, Hey, you know, I don't want to piss this guy off. I'll just do what he says. And I was just so fixated on the money portion, like, I'm like, no one's going to pay me this much. And I had all these limited beliefs and I had kind of like the golden handcuffs thing. And then eventually when it started to, like you said, it affects your core, your mental health. I mean, that's more precious now to me than, you know, keeping a job or, you know, just kind of weighing the options and balancing out, okay, is it worth you know, not able to sleep, having anxiety attacks and feeling like you're not worthy and being taken advantage of what happens to your nervous system and your whole life in the long run. And I look back and I'm like, that was not worth it for me personally. This is just my, my take. Cause I've had so many, I guess, narcissists as powerful leaders or CEOs or and that's one thing I wanted to kind of just get your take on is, you know, I don't know how they get to the top. Um, maybe it's manipulation or they know how to talk or, um, but I just noticed a pattern that a lot of these narcissists end up be having like high positions um, and they're out there, but they have two faces. So they'll be really nice and they may love bomb you at one point. And then on the flip side, you know, once that's done and, you know, they, they want to have nothing to do with you or they know they can't get anything from you. Then they move on to another victim and they just keep doing that cycle. But in your, in your um, opinion, like how, how do these, how do they end up always going to the top and fooling everybody around them? Is it, is it just pure manipulation or fear or how do they get so, so high in the, in the food chain? Well, excuse me they have absolutely mastered the art of deception. Uh, mm -hmm. The art of deception includes the ability to shapeshift, the ability to mirror, mm -hmm. the ability to spiritual mm -hmm. bypass, the ability to uh, uh, essentially manipulate the people around them to believe that they are a certain person and ultimately garner trust. And once that's the mm -hmm. case, you can really move people around. You can move yourself wherever you want to go. Once you're faking a, a self, once you develop the false self, you can become mm -hmm. whatever false self you'd like. So, it's a bunch of different things. And, and it's a really good question. I appreciate you asking because the question is, it's, it's almost seems like they're magically <clears throat> able to rise ranks and, and get to where they want to go uh, with precision. But you have to understand also that these individuals have been studying and people watching their whole lives. Uh, mm. They have been manipulating since childhood because essentially they have been abandoned, rejected. They have been left to their own devices from a very young age. They learn mm -hmm. how to get a reaction out of people very, very uh, effectively. 
Uh, so the power that they have is their ability to uh, manipulate human emotions, to get other people to feel certain things, to pull emotions out of other people, uh, to convince other people. Usually they're very charismatic and, and very attractive uh, and very uh, influential. So with all those things being said, they are very uh, very talented, very capable individuals. Just because <laughs> someone is a narcissist doesn't mean they're out of control and, 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 and you know, uh, they may do terrible things, but in many ways, they're extremely gifted and talented and intuitive individuals. Uh, they just use those things for the negative to rise the ranks, to ultimately manipulate. And, and really, one of the main reasons why they're so uh, really motivated to get to the top, and I talk about this in one of my podcasts, where uh, they want to rise the dominance hierarchy because the higher you go, the more leverage you have. And ultimately, mm-hmm. as we know, the more power you have and the more power, the more control, which is essentially the core, one of the core addictions of narcissistic uh, perpetrators. Mm-hmm. Very good answer. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, yeah, that's interesting because um, I always wondered, like, you know, every 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 job I've had, I've always noticed that you know, there's somebody up there on the top that's kind of looking down and uh, wondered how they did that. So, as far as like compatibility issue, like if I know that there are some people out there that I've talked to, like empaths. You know, they come from like toxic families where both parents are narcissists. I mean, how does the dynamics work in that relationship as far as who's on top? Because if you have two narcissists like married or working together, how do they get along? Are they trying to one up on each other? And I always wondered, like, how does that how does that dynamic work when you have two people that are just their egos are just so high and they're always trying to get uh, other people just to you know, manipulate. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, certainly a clash of egos when it comes to that. Usually it's a narcissist and an empath or a narcissist and a codependent. Uh, but when a narcissist goes up against a narcissist, yeah, that's, that's certainly a recipe for, for chaos. It's, it's interesting. The way I see it is, is that narcissists are oftentimes attracted to narcissists because there's a certain competitive competition, uh, mm. competitiveness that they desire a uh, certain uh, uh, sort of the drive to win, an, an addiction to winning. So when you meet other people who are also addicted to winning, uh, creates this competition uh, where uh, we destroy each other until somebody wins. Uh, and to have that in a relationship constantly, it constantly feeds that addiction. Uh, so there's that reason there. Uh, and the way I see it is narcissism is an extreme form of codependency, which means that mm. for every power over, I'm also helpless to help myself. So the narcissist, uh, the two narcissists who are going at it, usually have a codependent side, as I see it, which means they're mm-hmm. actually helpless to truly uh, care for themselves, which is what they're trying to get out of their partner. So essentially, from a childhood wounds perspective, they're each trying to replay their early childhood dysfunction in a repetition compulsion with each other, uh, and mm-hmm. therefore get their childhood needs met. So it is, uh, it's certainly, uh, I've certainly heard of these dynamics before, but it's, it's, it makes for one of the most dysfunctional and toxic bloodbaths right. that can be in a relationship. Yes, and uh, that that definitely puts perspective on that. And you know, I I've actually you know actually once moved in with a uh, person uh, like I think last year um, as a roommate. And uh, at first, he was just really really nice. Like he just went above and beyond trying to get me to move in with him. And you know, just I was just renting a room just for a short period of time, and. Uh, I noticed that he would just try to get me to go out with him to the bar and drink and stuff like that. But 
when I started working, I, I kind of told him, look, I can't hang out with you anymore. Um, but I'll go out this one time. We went to a bar and he was kind of upset at first. And then he's just started to put me down. Use I think you also mentioned about sarcasm, you know, like, you know, oh, like, why would you even put yourself in that position? Like you, you're so ugly and this. So he started to put me down in, in the bar and I made the mistake and I know, and tell me if this is wrong, but I confronted him like right at the bar and I kind of embarrassed him and I told him to back off or, you know, I'm not going to be living with you when we get back. And I said, do I make myself clear? That was the biggest mistake ever because he didn't say a word until I got in the vehicle with him. Once the doors were shut, he was going like a hundred miles an hour in the highway, screaming at me saying that he's going to leave me in the highway. And when we get back, he's going to throw all my stuff out. And just like he went from zero to a hundred, just out of control. And that's when I learned that going head to head with a narcissist and seeing that demonic side where they're screaming and their eyes are, some people always say that their eyes turn black or some people say like they turn red or whatnot. Um, in my case, I was very fearful of my life. This guy was crazy. Like he was really, I thought he was going to hurt me. And after that, I said to myself, there's always another way to do this. Is there something out there that is a rule that you never, I guess, confront a narcissist, especially embarrass them in public because there's going to be some very bad consequences? Yeah. You want to make sure that if you're going to confront a narcissist, they don't have any leverage on you because they will use that leverage to destroy. In this, in, in, in your example, and I'm sorry you had to go through this. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. he, he used that leverage against you. So when you when you stood up to him, I can't say that's the worst idea because that's what we do to bullies. We stand up to bullies and we say, "Hey, if you met, and, you know." So in that way, it was it was it was probably yeah. a good idea. However, because he had leverage and he ultimately was able to use that to further uh, intimidate you. When you did confront him, what you did was you tripped up his shame. You gave him a probably mm -hmm. narcissistic injury. Uh, therefore, in the in the moment, he had to hide that response of wanting to absolutely retaliate. He couldn't do it, so he waited until there was a safe place to retaliate. Uh, mm -hmm. There is no, there's no synergy with narcissistic abusers. There's no equal. It's either better or worse. So if you make him feel worse, then he will need to do something, or he or she, the perpetrator, will need to do something to uh, power over. Uh, and that's kind of exactly uh, what you saw there. He he did for, mm -hmm. push back, and ultimately, uh, you know, you, you saw what happened. Yes, and the the interesting part is a couple hours later, he just came and just apologized sincerely. Like, he's like, I'm so sorry. I hope, you know, I didn't, you know, scare you or anything in my head. I'm like, dude, I, I got, I'm like packing my stuff and put hiding them in my car. So he doesn't see that, you know, I'm going to move out the next day. Cause I didn't have anywhere to go. So I was looking at a, like going to any hotel. Like I just wanted to get away. He was crazy. And so he's like, yeah, I hope you don't think anything of me. I'm sorry I raised my voice and told you I was going to kill you. Like, you know, we're all good, right? And I'm like, yeah, everything's great. But he watched me to make sure that, like, I wasn't, like, packing or I was, wasn't putting anything in my car. It was very, very eerie, like, almost like he was watching every move. So I had to be very careful I didn't tip him off right. because if he found out I was leaving, he could have another episode. 
But with that said, that was just my mm. <laughs> um, my personal experience. But before we go here, um, I just wanted to give you the last word. Um, if there's something that you can kind of, uh, I guess, tell anybody that's listening, the empaths, the highly sensitive people, the trauma victims that are listening and tuning in, what would you say is the first step that you can kind of leave us with confidence? Uh, sure. Well, if you are an empath like myself, if you're an extremely intuitive, sensitive individual, uh, you have gifts that the world needs. And it's important to realize that being sensitive is a superpower, being intuitive. Uh, the way I see healing is, is that the world needs intuitive, empathic, compassionate uh, healers, energy healers now more than ever. Uh, so if you have these gifts, if you feel shameful about them, if you're hiding them, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an extreme introvert. So even doing an interview like this is, is something that I had to work to get to, <laughs> uh, and making a podcast that my friend originally who told me to do it, uh, right. to twist my arm. I'm like, I, I can't, I can't. Uh, but I, ultimately the way I see it is, is that you have <laughs> gifts and if you've been abused by a narcissist, if you've been shamed for your sensitivity, uh, there are things that could be done to flush out that shame, to process it, to heal so that you can shine your light because that is the way I see it. That is, that is our job as empaths is to heal the world. And sometimes we have to mm -hmm. experience what it's like to go through the darkness to experience the light. I know that's a little bit of a cliche. Uh, you know, you got to experience the darkness to, to have the light. But the way I see it is, is that sometimes abusive relationships uh, put us in such a dark place that it forces us to confront the, the, the incredible light we have inside of us. So mm -hmm. if you are struggling, uh, please don't lose hope. Go on a healing journey. Uh, create that healthy uh, sense of self, that that space within, so you can thrive and, and share your gifts with the world. Very well said, and like just keep doing what you're doing. I know, like you guys that are listening, check out his podcast, Narcissist Recovery. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge, and I can't believe, like, I just after a couple episodes, I'm like, yep, it just rings a bell, and I can totally relate. And this is stuff that you, I mean. It, it, it definitely knows that, you know, you're coming from that place too. So it's like, I can relate with that. So thank you so much for being on the show. Before we take off, can you please tell us where we can find you on social media? Thank you for what you do. Uh, I can be reached. Uh, you can reach out to me if you'd like to do counseling. Email me, yitz, Y-I-T-Z, at psychologicalhealingcenter.com. Uh, Narcissism Recovery Podcast is my podcast. You can find me on uh, Spotify, uh, Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, feel free to check it out. Like you said, wealth of information. Even if you don't use me as a coach or a therapist, uh, just awareness. It's so important to get that awareness. So definitely check it out. Uh, you can check out the modality of therapy I use called Mind Map Therapy at the psychologicalhealingcenter.com uh, website. Well, there you have it, guys. Check them out. Um you know, I wouldn't have him on my show if he wasn't good. Like, he's really good at <laughs> what he does. And uh, maybe I'll reach out to you soon, too. <laughs> but uh, with that sure. said, thanks again for being on the show. Of course. My honor. Thank you again for having me. No problem. All right, guys. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you can uh, hop on over to the Apple iTunes, let me know how I'm doing so I can bring in more guests on every episode. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. So... With that said, we are out. You're listening to the On Call Empath.